So, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Partnership for the Arts, where we talk art. Gina, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic, Dave. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. I'm feeling blessed. I got my coffee. You had your coffee. I wish I had my ginger tea, but I don't. Mm, forgot yours. Do you remember to ask the guest? <laughs> I should have asked the guest if I could have brought her some. That's all right. She didn't make it to the coffee machine in time before the show. Right? It's never going away. So, you ready to get started? Yes, sir. This is Partnership for the Arts Radio. Come join us as we explore the worlds of art. And you can listen to all the episodes of our talk show on our website at Partnership for the Arts Group. This podcast was recorded at the Visual Arts Center in Punta Gorda, Florida. Oh, and speaking of guests. Yes. The most incredible guests. <laughs> They're all incredible. Well, she, she, lots of information, lots of inspiration, lots of motivation. And we have all that wrapped up in the one we're talking to today. Yes, aren't we thrilled? We're blessed and happy. <laughs> yes. So I'm going to introduce this incredible lady, mm-hmm. teacher, artist. Her name is Catherine Lucas. Welcome, Catherine. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Thank you so much, Gina and Dave, for having me on your show today. Oh, it is excited. such a pleasure to be here, and I'm so honored to be invited onto it. And you, oh, it you? is just uh, amazing to be here. And I just can't thank you both enough for inviting me. It's such a privilege, and I, I'm very humbled. It's just, yeah. I love what you're both doing. Uh, bringing the arts out there, just just the platform that you have, and oh, just awesome. bringing it back into society, inspiring people. I love listening to your show. Oh, you know, I just I, well, I wait you. for the next episode. Awesome interviews, but I, I just really think it's it's just such a great service to all of us, whether you're an artist or not. It's a great service. So thank you. Thank you. That's and again, I'm happy to be here. Well, we just blessed it. We get. A lot of talented and inspiring people like yourself on the show. So, yeah. and lots to talk about. Lots oh, to talk yeah. about. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's no doubt. <laughs> All right, that's good because thank you for that intro because I had time to sip my coffee. Can't. Now he's wired. Watch out, Catherine. Third cup. We're good. Oh, that's it. <laughs> so, Catherine, again, welcome to the show, and let's start with. May not hitting the mic. <laughs> Apparently, it's not decaffeinated coffee. <laughs> no, it's leaded. It's real stuff. <laughs> so, Catherine, how about we start out with you live here in Florida, but not in Punta Gorda? Yes, I live in Naples, and I discovered Punta Gorda back in 2013 when an artist friend of mine that lives in Southwest Texas we. Uh, studied together at this atelier in Santa Fe, this portrait master. Um, Tony Ryder called me one day and said, um, hey, there's a national show. It was the Figure and Faces National Exhibition, um, National Art Show that the Visual Arts Center was hosting. Okay, so this is the biannual National Art Exhibit show here. Yeah, and it's just right in your backyard, basically, so I checked it out. So you hadn't been to... Print a Gorda or the Visual Arts Center before then? 
I've no. never been to Punta Gorda before. I've been to Sarasota. I've been north and south of Punta Gorda, but never really stopped in this really neat town. So I uh, got accepted into the show and I bought my paintings here. And as soon as I walked into the Visual Arts Center, actually, as soon as I came into Punta Gorda, I felt it. There was just some kind of magic. And when I walked into the doors of the Visual Arts Center, it was so welcoming. I've never experienced that before, but there's just something special about this place. Every, you know, when you're among artists and mm -hmm. creatives, you're always welcome. There's that energy. So I dropped off the paintings to go into the show, and I met with the executive director at the time, and I asked her, I just said, are you looking for instructors? I'd like to teach classes here. And I Wonderful. didn't care that it was an hour drive for me. It was so worth it. And so she started me off with um, one class. And what was that class? Uh, how to paint like the old masters, mm. which is an indirect oil painting method. And it's for um, beginners through advanced students teaching within the class. I teach a lot of foundational skills okay. and, and really deconstruct color and value. And we put it all together so that you can understand what you're doing. But in any case, the journey started from there. I've been here since 2013. Um, I love it. It's the highlight of my week when I come up here. I teach, you know, the full day. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, right now I'm teaching oil painting. I was teaching an egg tempera class, but I'm changing that into a workshop. Right, and we will get into that, Catherine. But let's back up here a bit. I want to ask, how old were you when you realized you are an artist or that you wanted to be an artist? Was it at a young age? You know, actually, I was young. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know, I, I was so, well, so long ago. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> as a young child, I, I was so inspired by life that uh, I just felt like I, I always felt, and I still do, life force that moves through everything, which is God. Um, and so I could, I would feel it in the rocks, see it in the trees, the air we breathe. And I, it was just this magic of being alive. And I needed an outlet to express that. Like I wanted to tell the world, broadcast it. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I started to do is I was drawing and I didn't know it at the time, but the mark making was actually kind of, um, my way of paying reverence to being alive, yes. like expressing. So I, I love drawing. I could draw for hours just being, you know, put me alone, I'll just draw for hours. And so in a way I was, I was self-taught with that. I fine-tuned my skills later when I went to college, but I always drew. And then I had an experience. Um, I grew up in a traveling military family. My dad was a test pilot in the Navy. Oh, wow. And you service to your family. Oh, yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. We, in the mid-70s, he was stationed in Tehran, Iran. Mm -hmm. So we moved there. And it was an amazing culture. The, the artwork there was so majestic. And when you look at the, all the colored tiles, and uh, the love that went into it, you felt the vibrancy. It was just so, it was such a colorful culture. We would move every two years and it was like, okay, you never really felt attached to any place. But when we left um, Iran after his tour was over, he had, I think it was like a six week break before the next tour of duty started in the United States. 
And so we went to Europe. Um, being in the military, we ha he got all these fringe benefits. We flew a, a C-130 from Ooh, Tehran wow. to, we stayed in the barracks in Germany. We started off there on base. Uh, I was definitely very spoiled. I guess that's why they call it a military brat. Oh, you were a military brat. <laughs> oh, so we were, uh, at one point in our excursion, um, my dad bought a VW camper pop-up top van. Cool, and I the six of us, <laughs> we were all camping in that, driving, driving around Europe. So at one point we stopped in Paris and I went to Louvre. Oh, there and you go. And we, I don't know what wing we were in, but I saw all the figurative arts. Mm -hmm. And when I saw those paintings, I just had this, I felt connected to the artist. Not only that, I mm -hmm. felt like this connection to all of humanity. And it's like, I get it. And, and I looked at these paintings and I, it's like, I got to do that. And that was the first time being an artist entered my consciousness. How old were you? I was 11 years old. Yes, wow. that was a real time. Yeah, and it was just yeah. like, I got to do that. And so I became just like, oh, I'm an artist. I just thought everybody did that. Right. I was so awe-inspired. And it was that same feeling that I, you know, always carried as, you know, drawing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it was just that exposure to um, seeing art from all the different cultures. Yes. And then just seeing those paintings and just, so that's when my journey began. Wow, there you go. Another great story of a artist in the making. <laughs> we'll be right back. I'm Janet Watermeyer, Executive Director of the Visual Arts Center, and I listen to Partnership for the Arts talk show. Okay, we are back from a commercial there. We want to make sure we thank Janet Watermeyer, the Executive Director here at the Visual Arts Center where we record our show. And we are talking with Catherine Lucas, artist and instructor. Catherine, how are you doing so far? I'm doing great, baby. <laughs> oh, wow. Lots of fun to be on the show with. Yes. Oh, it's a blast. It's a blast to be here. <laughs> it must be a blast to be in your classroom. <laughs> I can, yes, yes. You can imagine. Oh, it <laughs> Lots is. of fun. Oh, my gosh. It's a lot Lots of fun. fun. Yeah. So, Catherine, I want to move on to mediums that you work in. You oil paint. Yes, yes. That's what I started with. That's when I was younger. I dabbled in watercolor. I didn't really care for it. First of all, I, I love drawing. I started painting later in college, but uh, oil painting was it. Okay, and you mentioned college, so let's talk about that in your oil painting. When I first learned, it was I was learning more of the a la prima style, which is mm -hmm. direct painting. You mm -hmm. know, very thick layers. And actually, in college, um, it was frowned upon to want to work realistically. So we were We've pushed to, uh, you know, I couldn't use anything smaller than a two, a two inch house painter's brush, wow. even to do a figure, you know, if we had a model, wow. uh, paint what you feel, just throw paint on the canvas. And I was actually very confused. That was actually very anxiety producing for me. Yes. I had some good figure drawing classes that mm -hmm. I liked, uh, but I wanted to be able to paint like the old masters. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then you obviously uh, finished college. What did you go into next? Uh, I went into exploring abstraction, and I was an abstract painter for 12 years. And I have to tell you, anybody that uh, paints abstractly well like you do, Gina, that really, it, it's so hard. It is, it is oh my, hard. But uh, what you do yeah. to me is out of yeah. this world. It blows my mind. I, I don't but, think I can do it. Thank you. But, but realistic, it's, yeah. 
it's interesting though because I learned a lot from it. I, I bring that that process into my figurative painting. You know, I was working with the oils, I was doing mm -hmm. the abstract painting, and I felt for myself at the time that I was doing the abstraction, it was hit or miss. I would have some canvases that really were powerful. Um, you know, you've had this experience, Gina, where yeah. people would, you know, they, they see the story in there, they connect to it, mm -hmm. and then some was just mere decoration. You know, yes. people might like it, oh, it matches the couch. Yes. Uh, but, it, but I didn't have control over that, and so, I started to go back into the abstract painters that I loved and even the first generation abstract expressionist painters. Oh, yeah. and, and I thought, why is their work so strong? What kind of background did they have? And so when I researched into it, they all had a classical background. Yes. They could really paint and draw. Yes. So I thought, okay, I need to learn these skills. I need to learn the foundation of art uh, and the language of it. Yes. And so I started to take workshops to build up a figurative portfolio. But as I was doing that, I realized I actually really love to draw and paint realistically and figuratively. Uh -huh. um, and so I built up a portfolio and I uh, then applied to go back to grad school and I ended up going to New York Academy of Art uh, yeah, in New York City wow. and between 2004 and six. And that was great because we really it was an immersion into the figure. It's the Graduate School of Figurative Art. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it only had four majors, painting, drawing, printmaking, and sculpture. And the first year, everybody had to draw and do figure structure, work with, with clay, figure three-dimensionally, whether you're sculpting oh. or just creating uh, proportional blocks and posing the model. And then we would go concentrate in the second year. So I really learned about the figure conceptually it was a, a, an excellent school I learned how to paint there too but the the thing was each semester I'd have a new painting teacher this is the this is the palette that I use this is my process mm -hmm. but I really didn't understand color the way that I needed to now color was the one thing I struggled with most as an artist I can draw I can work monochromatically but color was the most difficult thing for me and so when I left grad school, I was okay with it. Um, what, why did you have trouble with it? I could not determine really the value mm. of a color. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, that, that's, and, and I didn't understand tonality, which is you're working with different um, intensities of the color, mm -hmm. whether it's more gray down or yes. higher intense. And, and tonality, you know, that changes, chroma changes with value change. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, I had some good classes there where we worked in that process. Um, okay, Catherine, you had mentioned several times the painter Tony Ryder, and you had had a chance to uh, uh, work with him. So let's talk about that. So after grad school, I went to paint with Tony, more of an observational painter. So what I did was I learned everything conceptually about the figure, mm -hmm. but then observationally, all you're thinking about is how, how is that um, person or that setup appearing to you? Right. The human structure, because I can look at the model and say, oh yeah, I don't really see a shadow there, but I know there should be a shadow because the way that the, the cheek um, just below the zygomatic arch in the face, you know, it should create some, some tonal change. But because you can rely on that and paint what you know and not actually what you're looking at and still kind of be off with yeah. the drawing. 
So I thought, okay, I learned this one component. Let me really strengthen this other component. And so I just took the year and just really focused on uh, how things were appearing to me, including uh, tonality, you know, intensities. Mm -hmm. And then I eventually put it together. And, and those so tones, the tones, that's very important. Um, you're putting perspective, you're putting mm -hmm. shading, mm -hmm. um, even in abstract, people just think that you slosh paint. Yeah. And then there's also mixing with abstract mm -hmm. painting, to specifically acrylics, because I know that we're talking about oil painting. I mix my paints too because I need different shades yeah. and hues. Right, and right. But you can see that in your paintings, because when I saw them in person, it's like I felt like I could walk into that wow. pictorial space, even that though it wasn't representative. I just, I walked, I was walking that. into it. It had space. That's amazing. And it, well, your paintings amaze me. <laughs> 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 she speaks the truth. <laughs> so, Catherine, Actually, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, some of the processes that you do and your style and, and what you've learned through all the time of, of working with these oils. Um, would, I learned how to create a monochromatic painting because in, in, if I want to have the illusion of space, there is a hierarchy of value mm. and, and how do I achieve that. So uh, that helped me out. It became a scaffolding, the underpainting. and because you know if you mix a color and you put it on top of that, it's, it's either going to fit or not. Right. Value. It became a guide. Then later on, I was able to put it together. Now, you had mentioned underpainting. I always do an underpainting, but it's not always monochromatic. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I build up in thin layers. And what I like about the thin layers uh, is that light will travel through the thin layers, bounce off the back of the canvas, yes. and come back through. And yes. it creates luminosity. Yes. Right, yes. You know. right. Uh, now there's beauty to this very gestural thick paint because the beauty is in the you feel the energy of the stroke and this immediacy kind of what I'm drawn to too is this more contemplative it's my nature you're gonna paint what your nature is mm -hmm. your, your disposition and I like to really kind of delve deep into the subtle uh, that's what I'm drawn to I appreciate all art but I think the way I need to work I like this kind of sensuality, like that almost is very blended, highly rendered, and that that's that's my experience of the world, living and life. I have life to me is very sensual. Mm -hmm. It's an essential experience. The way the light breaks across your visual yes. field, the way the air feels is very somatic. So my style or technique is not separated. Uh, my style is not separated from my expression That's of what I'm feeling. Knowledge. Right. It is, yeah. it is, it's an intimate thing. We may have a similar assignment to do, um, but it's not going to look the same. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so, you see that with all the students. It's amazing yeah. to watch. Yeah. But, and you get a personality too that just is, just has so much energy yes. and is just uh, really, I don't want to say high wired because you, a lot of times we think, oh, that's stressed out, but that's not so much. They just right. need to, be out there in a very bold way, and then that beautiful expression comes through. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but it's interesting too because I find I will take breaks from what I work, whether I take workshops or just go out and I'll I'll do landscape painting, which is uh, quicker, more a la prima. But I found okay. that slowing down, I can really target those values and tones that I see in nature. Yeah. And a friend of mine who. She was, she's more expressionistic of a painter, 
watercolor background. She and I studied together mm -hmm. um, and she really tightened down and, and just kind of broke down the process and now she's painting in her natural style but it's even, it, the work is elevated. Mm -hmm. wow. So the, the way that I paint, teach here how to paint like the old masters, it's a methodology that you're painting realistically but it's really to give you the tools to so that you have control over your painting, you know, how to handle it, the to get the color ranges, the tonal ranges you want. But you'll learn some, even if you're an abstract painter, uh, it, it's for, you, you can learn this stuff and bring it back into your painting. And one of the things I like to do with still life painting is what's called trompe l'oeil, which is, uh, it's either trick the eye or fool the eye, where you create a painting um, and you have to get rid of the fact that it's actually a painting. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you subdue your brush strokes. You try to make the, the actual item you're painting look like that item. Can you give us an example? If I'm painting a piece of paper tape to the board, yeah. it'll look like you can pull that tape off. And people actually will try to do that. Oh, wow. And the interesting thing was, so cool. yeah. the further I pushed realism, the closer to abstraction I got. Yeah. Really? It was amazing. I've heard people say uh -huh. that before. Yeah. Yes, yes. Because to really paint, to really get the effect, you have to stop telling yourself, well, that's a piece of tape. You have to, I don't even know how to describe it because you're getting rid of language. <laughs> and not the technical skills, but you have to, you have to put, push aside the language so that you can express. Getting into working with the oil paintings all along and I really fine-tuned it. I like to work in very thin layers and glazes. So, Catherine, let me ask you a question. When you get the painting like that, I mean, is there some sort of rendering first, or do you just grab the brush and go for it? <laughs> <laughs> if I had to, I could go for it. Actually, like to do a drawing first. Okay. Can, you know, paint, uh, if I have a setup or, or, or a model, I could just paint directly, but I just prefer that process. Now, I don't get so detailed into the drawing that it's a finished drawing. It's right. more right. linear like the old masters. Yeah. It's basically a, a setup mm -hmm. for yes. what you're going to finish. Exactly. It's a guideline for what you're going, where you're going to go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it kind of warms me up into yeah. right. getting, really getting that mindset in there because there is something about drawing that, uh, different from painting, mm -hmm. that, that there's an intimacy with that drawing that kind of really uh, meditates you into mm -hmm. the next piece that I'm going to do. So actually drawing it out helps me to do that, enter that go in through that threshold to the, the next series or the next painting. Uh, so that, that's my process here. I'll teach that process here, but then I have repeat students and we work the way that they want to and they can start just pretty much straight brush to canvas. Now, earlier, Catherine, we were talking about your style, the way you like to paint, and your purpose. And I really found uh, your explanation for the purpose of you being an artist quite profound. In fact, I even wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> My purpose as an artist and creating painting is to be the evocation of the sacred. Kind of like the, the old masters. Ah, you gotta love that. Well said, <laughs> Catherine. And we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kit Moran, visual artist and jazz singer. And I listen to Partnership for the Arts Talk Show.
Okay, we are back from uh, commercial, and we want to make sure we thank the wonderful and incredibly talented Kit Moran for that. Uh, jazz singer, playwright, artist. So, Catherine, before the commercial, you were explaining to us your purpose as an artist and instructor, which of course is to uphold and teach classic methods uh, that the masters used uh, when painting. And I gotta say, you can tell that you take that very much to heart. Yeah. I mean, there's a true passion there in your meaning. It's obvious that the uh, art you saw in the Louvre in your youth, that left a lasting impression on you. When I encountered their artwork and this inspiration, this uh, amazing, the joy and magic of being alive, the mystery of life, mm -hmm. the, to, to, to feel that and to possess that, to hold that, to never lose that magic, that's, that's the purpose of why I paint. You know, it's not because, oh, I'm trying to make a painting put in the gallery right. to sell because it looks nice. It's just, and we were talking about when someone resonates, you know when that painting belongs to somebody. Someone can relate to a painting mm -hmm. of mine. I know it's theirs. There you go. Yeah. One dollar. Yeah. There you go. $1,000. Exactly. That painting belongs to them because they have a story with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that connection is priceless. To right. feel that connection on such a deep level with another human being that it goes beyond exactly. language, exactly. it made the whole painting worthwhile. It made every go. bit of, yeah. of frustration or joy mm -hmm. or both um, happiness and thrill that you received from it or you know, tossing it. Exactly. Bowl. And I think too, um, Art elevates consciousness. Yes. I think beyond anything else, art, and that is so important. And you know, they were cutting it out of our culture in the schools. Yes. Okay. Did you know, I, I was reading something, uh, some statistics that the schools that kept the arts program in, on average, their students uh, scored 89 points higher on the SAT. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, preach it, sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Gina and I, are both very much the advocate for the art, particularly in the schools, as the partnership of the arts group is, hence the show. And I have had the pleasure of, of speaking many times on the positive effects of art in the community, economically wise and all. And Gina, not too long ago, you actually wrote an article on the same thing, right? Oh, okay. Art can change the world. Man, that says it all, doesn't it? <laughs> now, Gina, that article, um, among other things, talked about how art can change the world as people start to open their eyes to the to the beauty of art itself, right? Yeah. And uh, Catherine, you were saying that uh, earlier during break about uh, about your students. Yeah, uh, they'll come to me and they'll say you know what, the world is so beautiful. Like, oh my, I, I've never seen so much beauty. I, I, I didn't realize it was so colorful. And when they say that, I've done my job. Yeah. There you go. Let's try and move along here because we're going to be uh, running out of time soon. Catherine, one thing I don't think we got to was your preferred color of palette when you paint. That's another great question. Generally start off with a monochromatic underpainting, although there's times I use my full color palette. Mm -hmm. My palette, um, I have a lot of colors on. I've worked with 
maybe five colors and I get all the other colors through the mixtures of those five colors. Yeah. And I, it's kind of adopted from the last teacher, Tony Ryder, and I could have 40 colors on my palette and I've acquired these colors over time. I don't think I can afford them all at one time. <laughs> so uh, the palette I use kind of goes circles around. Um, there's one side, it's a rectangle palette to the right, that right side is clear. On the other three sides I have the color and so on the bottom toward me I have all the chromatic colors, light to dark, warm to cool, mm -hmm. so the, the, the whites, the yellows, the oranges, reds, all the way to purple, and then on the left-hand side are my blues and greens. Mm -hmm. And so the bottom is all the modern chromatic colors, blues and greens, which kind of mixture, and then the top part, again, is light to dark, but they're earth colors. Mm -hmm. um, and when I have the palette set up like that, in front of me, it almost throws up like this hologram of color space. And uh, I usually get, I make color grays by mixing complementaries, although there's times when I mix a gray with black and white to get it. Mm -hmm. um, that will take a color and take gray, mix a, a value string of gray, mm -hmm. uh, maybe nine or ten values between black and white and all these gradations of gray, mm -hmm. and then mix the color into it so you have a very chromatic version of the color all the way to the gray mixture. They're very linear palettes, but that's what happens. The way my palette sets up automatically puts me into this color space because your palette arrangement could affect the way you're going to paint or delve into it. Right, right. I think that's why, you know, when you're learning to build your palette, there are mm -hmm. certain ways that you, you get your basics, but then when you actually start experimenting with your palette, I think you naturally start going toward what works for you in that palette. Yes, yeah. And I also teach that in the class is palette organization. I go over that. There's general sensibilities. I have general palette organizations mm -hmm. that most people will lean toward. But at least that's a start, right. especially for someone that's never painted before. But I, I get them, like, why do you feel like you want these colors here and these colors here. Do you, are you more of a color, like you want to arrange everything strictly by color or is it more of value? What is it? Is it a mixture between the two? And again, Catherine, you teach from beginning to very advanced, right? So yes, yes, well. that's correct. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I teach the classes here. I have the uh, intro class, like the old masters, and the advanced class, and those class covers beginning through advanced painters. The very beginning students through intermediate, you're going to have that intermediate student that might want to still be yes. uh, in the intro class because we'll, we'll delve more than just being very beginner. And then the advanced classes um, are people who are like, okay, I really, I grasp this for myself and I want to start experimenting, like uh, leaping off from what we've learned. And I in that class, I work very individually with a student and try to draw out their voice yes. and pull out their vision and how are you going to handle your materials to get that. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's how that, but the whole range. And that's through the Visual Arts Center? Through the Visual teach. Arts Center in Punta Gorda. That, that's gonna be every Tuesday in September. And there's a possibility I might add another day. Oh. Um, oh. And you can always find out by calling the Visual Arts Center. Or online. Or online. And also, I, I don't have the dates yet. You can also bring an egg tempera workshop uh, oh, you're going to do that. Okay. Workshops. So, yes, yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm excited. The more I can be here, the better. <laughs> <laughs> so, Catherine, how about some contact information where people can find you? 
I have my painting website, my fine art website is katherinelucasart.com mm -hmm. and you can find my paintings there uh, and any Good. information about that. So, Catherine, we want to thank you for coming on the show. It's, it's been fun. It's been and a blast. I can't tell you how much fun I had with this. I don't want to leave. I'm just having a, it's, this is like the best hangout. I, there's so much to talk and laugh and hang out. Right. We'll do it again. I, wonderful. Plus there's yeah. so many other things to cover. We're going to wrap up here on, uh, on part one, but you've got to come back for part two. Mm -hmm. Right? So with that, Gina, you have a good day. Dave, you have a wonderful day too. And we'll talk art next time for the next show Keep with Catherine Lucas. Yay. Right? Yeah. So wonderful. Right. Thank Got you. It. Yeah. This has been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's been fun. So everyone, thank you for tuning in. And make sure you come back for part two because we've got a lot more to cover with Catherine Lucas here. Where we'll look at covering your egg tempera classes and workshops, the gold leafing your uh, holistic classes, and your podcasts. So we've got a lot more to cover. So make sure you come back. We want to see what she has up her sleeve now. <laughs> there you go. So, everyone, <laughs> thanks for tuning in, and Good we time. will talk art soon. Come on, Catherine. I think we owe you that cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> this is Partnership for the Arts Talk Show. Thanks for joining us. As we explore the worlds of art. And you can listen to all the episodes of our talk show on our website at partnershipforthearts.group.org. This podcast was recorded at the Visual Arts Center in Punta Gorda, Florida.